Hi, this is Laura. And this is Nikki with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. What are we talking about today, Laura? Well, today we're picking up where we left off last week, and we're discussing art submissions. If you haven't checked it out, we suggest you listen to last week's episode first, and we talked about why you should submit your work and where you can submit it. But today we're going to talk about how you find who to submit your work to and what you should submit to them, and finally, when you should send it and follow up. Right. So we talked about many of the different markets you can submit your artwork to, from art directors at companies that could possibly license your work, to publications, magazines, podcasts, competitions, galleries, shops, festivals, and even art agents. Mm -hmm. But the question is, where the hell do you start? (laughs) (laughs) Which one do you submit to first? And how do you find the right person to submit to? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a really overwhelming topic, which is why I think so many people procrastinate from doing it. I don't know why you're looking at me when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the process is different for each one of those categories or areas you mentioned. However, some of them are pretty straightforward. For example, submitting to have a booth at an art festival usually involves filling out a form and paying a fee. Right. Competitions have their own set of rules. Uh, I think there are a lot of artists that get stuck, though, when it comes to trying to license your work on products. Okay, so since what you and I are mostly focused on right now is licensing or trying to get focused on licensing, (laughs) let's stick to that process for this episode. So where do we start? What are the first steps we need to take? Okay, so I think step number one for art licensing is to narrow down your market. It's okay to be interested in more than one market, but narrow it down to a few just to start with. Okay. Um, And I know there's some really great classes out there like Making Art That Sells. They have a couple of classes called Hot Markets for Your Art Part A and B that have an overview of all the major markets, things like editorial, paper products, home decor, bolt fabric, etc. Okay. These really help you understand what markets you're most interested in and which, you know, markets that your art may be best suited for. Then I know they have separate courses where you can dive a little bit deeper into things like creating collections for home decor, illustrating children's books, designing for the toy market, and a lot more things like that. Okay. And and I know you've taken a course called Leverage Your Art. I did. Leverage Your Art was taught by Stacy Bloomfield, who we recently interviewed. Right. And Stacy covers all the different ways that you can monetize your artwork. She really goes into depth on the business side of owning a creative business. And she covers book publishing, bolt fabric licensing, wholesaling, uh, pitching your work to companies, and so much more that can really give you lots of ideas so you can then narrow down your focus and decide which one you want to sort of work on first. And I know enrollment for that particular class is opening June 8th. So um, I highly recommend it. Awesome. 
And Nikki, I know you took Picture Portfolio last year, right? Yeah. So I took um, Picture Portfolio with Shannon McNabb, who we interviewed in episode eight. And mm-hmm. if you missed that one, please go back and listen to it. It was our first interview and mm-hmm. Shannon shared so much great stuff with us. Um Picture Portfolio goes into a lot of detail about searching for clients, how to find email addresses, which Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about a bit, how and when to make contact, and really kind of how to follow up. She has a great bonus training that teaches you how to use Airtable to kind of track all this research and who you've reached out to and who you're licensed to and just like a great way of organization that I really need to start implementing. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Right. So, okay. So after taking leverage, you took leverage. I took picture portfolio. We dove into a lot of stuff about different markets. So what are some of the markets that you're interested in, in reaching out to and that you think your work would fit well with? Well, in my brain, Nikki, I want to do all of them. (laughs) Of course you do. But I think I'd like to focus on greeting card design submission first. Okay. I've been designing greeting cards with stamps in the crafting world for 15 years. So um, I'm now illustrating my own designs. And I think it's a very natural progression for me. And it feels a lot less intimidating than some of the other markets. Yeah. Nikki, how about you? So I've been doing a lot of print on demand with my work and Mm -hmm. I've tried Oh my God, I can name all the products, but we'd be here for hours. So (laughs) the ones that, that I'm most excited about though, are, um, in home decor. So I figured the, the print on demand was kind of a, a test their prototypes Mm -hmm. for me. Um, so I think my work really suits itself to things like pillows and bedding, linens and, um, oh, shower curtains. I have a shower curtain. Cool. I I have all these things with my art on them. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then also sort of home and kitchen goods like mugs and dishes and things like that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So there were some great resources for taking classes on how to do that, that we mentioned, but what if you're not ready or able to take a class right now? And you just kind of want to do some research on your own. Yeah. So step number two is to research. I mean, basically, you have to make Google your best friend. (laughs) Google has been my best friend for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you start by thinking about the brands that you personally love in your chosen market. And now, do they match your own style of artwork? And usually when we think of our favorite brands, it might be huge ones like, say, Anthropology. I mean, who wouldn't want their work in anthro? Oh, I would love it. (laughs) But in reality, when we're just getting started, we need to take a step back and think about some other brands. Anthro can still be on the list down the road, but if you're starting by submitting to them first, you're probably not going to get anywhere fast. Okay, so let's start smaller. I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's tons of companies we don't even realize exist that license the kind of work that we make. So how do we find out who they are? How do we find the names of those companies and who to contact? So there are two techniques that I personally use. Number one, I go into stores like like a TJ Maxx or a Target um, and I turn a product over that I love that has pretty artwork on it. And I make a note of the brand or the manufacturer, just snap a photo and stick it in a photo album on my phone. Then when I get home, I can Google the heck out of them. Nice. Okay, so... I know Target has their own brands. Mm -hmm. 
which, you know, it's going to be hard to get in with Target, but they also carry work from many other smaller companies, right? Mm -hmm. So you might not be ready to approach Target directly, but from the research, you might find other companies that can license work that's like yours. Like, for example, back in the 90s, Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I know I'm old. <laughs> Before I even had heard the word licensing, um, I was approached to design a small line of T-shirts um, and I saw the designs outright and they ended up being sold in Kmart, which was huh. pretty stinking exciting, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Since I sold them for a flat fee as a freelancer, I didn't get any royalties. Ah, bummer. Can I have a do-over? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a bummer, but it's still cool. Right. Very cool. Yeah. So step one is to sort of browse and look at, you know, brands that you love and research and the heck out of them. And I think the second technique that I personally use, and I only started doing this pretty recently, is that I use the save to collection functionality in Instagram. So when you follow other independent artists who have licensing deals, they will often announce them on Instagram when the product is released. So if the company seems to be a good fit for your own artwork, I save that post to my, um, I created a submissions collection on Insta to refer back to later. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then I can just (laughs) add those companies to a spreadsheet as potential future collaborators that I could reach out to. And it's worth mentioning here, don't DM the artist and ask them for their contact. Totally. It's just not cool. Not cool. (laughs) (laughs) That is on you to do the research for yourself. But you're halfway there if you already know who the company is that they license with. For sure. So, okay. So once we have a list of companies that we'd like to approach, what's the next step? How do we know who to talk to and what to send to them? Well, that's when a little more research comes into play. Okay. (laughs) I would start first with their website to see if they have any contact us info. Some will specifically have submission guidelines um, that are listed on the web page. Some of them have competitions. I mean, really anything like that. Do as much research as you can directly with the company. And if you don't find any info like that on their website, you can try looking at places like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great place to do a little more research about a company. Mm -hmm. So you might find out who their art director is. And if you're lucky, get some contact info. And I've heard that LinkedIn messages oftentimes may not get a result, but you can likely figure out what their actual email structure is at their company. You might find out their email is first name dot last name at company.com, for example, through other people who perhaps work at that company. Then you can usually guess what their email address would be and try it out. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk next about what do you actually say in the emails now that you found some people to submit to? Well, I think the important thing is to keep it short and simple. I mean, art directors get so many emails that they don't have time to read something that looks like a book. They're just going to hit delete. Right. So (laughs) so what do we actually send? So I would send an email to introduce yourself and personalize it to that company as best as you can. Don't have it look just like any other form letter. People can totally tell. Right. I've also heard some horror stories about artists that sent emails to art directors and forgot to change the name. Oops. (laughs) Okay, so first of all, make sure you use the correct freaking name, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And say something that shows that you know a bit about the company, what their products are, and how you really think your work would be a great fit for them. 
That's just the same as if you were writing a cover letter for any job that you were trying to get, right? Right. And if you found the person you're emailing on Instagram, you might even mention something specific to that person so they know that you're paying attention and not just mass emailing something generic, right? Right. And you'll want to attach some images of your work that would fit the company's brand. I mean, this could be either low resolution JPEG files or a PDF file that has several images attached that are low res. Mm -hmm. And if they have submission guidelines on their website, make sure that you use those and follow them to a T. For example, some companies don't want attachments at all in their emails. They want you to embed photos in the email itself. Otherwise, that email may bounce back. And it's also good to send them a link to your online portfolio if you have one. Right. So if you have a website, definitely link to that. And if you don't have a website, well, you should probably hire me to design and build one for you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice plug. Subtle, huh? (laughs) Uh, But in the meantime, you can link to your Instagram if you have a professional Instagram account with your artwork. Art directors probably don't want to see a lot of pictures of your babies and cats. Wait a second. Gus is dang cute. And if I were an art director, I'd look at him all day. Yes, your dog is very, very cute. (laughs) And so are all of my critters, but they're not going to get me licensed. (laughs) So let's be real for a second. Many of us are just getting started with the, the licensing side of the business. And it seems that more and more people are looking for artists who have flourishing brands and large follower counts on Instagram. Right. And I know this is definitely the case in the publishing world. But when it comes to getting your art licensed by an art director, do the numbers really matter? Or if you have just a beautiful feed with beautiful art, is that enough? Well, So I think it's definitely true for some companies that you need to have a large following. But I think a lot of companies aren't necessarily looking at putting together a line of products under the artist's name. They're just looking for great art to be released under their own brand, right? Mm -hmm. So for that, I think it's much more the quality of work and not your own brand or name. Right. So does that mean when you start out, you are only doing outright buyouts of your work or can you... Can you actually license and get royalties without your name attached to the product? So obviously, I'm only going by what I've learned in courses that I've taken or what I've read online. But I think that both options are possible, and it depends Mm -hmm. on the individual companies and your own personal negotiation skills. Well, Nikki, those would actually be good problems to have, right? Wouldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) But let's say that you've sent your first email out. Now what? Uh, panic, have an anxiety attack, (laughs) enjoy a lively bout of imposter syndrome. (laughs) Okay, but seriously, you need to have a way of tracking what you've sent to who and when and a plan of how to follow up. Yeah, I know I have a free Gmail extension on my Chrome browser. It's called Hunter. And it basically tracks whether or not an email has been opened by the other user. And who told you about that lovely extension? Nikki, I think you did. Yes. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So basically it can help you know if the email you're using is valid or not, right? Especially if you've made a guess on what you thought their email was. Right. um, For a specific art director or something. So that way you can tell, did anybody actually open it or not? Right. For sure. Okay. So once you've submitted your work, you may or may not 
actually hear back from somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're lucky, you get a positive response and they'll Mm -hmm. tell you that they want to license you and they'll tell you how to proceed. Right. That's the dream. But Mm -hmm. maybe they respond and say, well, we like your work, but we don't have anything for you right now. So you can ask them then, you know, would you like to hear from me periodically or when I have new work? Mm-hmm. Right. So right. Um, then the next option is that you might not hear from them at all. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the case, you can put them on a list of people that you might want to follow up with, say, once a quarter or whenever you have a new collection that you're releasing. So don't be worried about bothering them because mm-hmm. they actually need your art. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And sometimes they might just say that you're not a good fit. And it's hard to do this, but don't take it personally because everyone gets rejected. Heck, even Harry Potter was rejected like a dozen times by publishers that are clearly kicking themselves now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's really a numbers game. So if you put two emails out there, you may not get a positive response or any response. But if you put 100 emails out there, you're much more likely to get forward movement. Right. So I've heard about people actually sending something physical in the mail. It's not something I've ever tried, but I know that Mm -hmm. some people will send out um, portfolios they put together or postcards of their work. What do you know about that? I love that idea. Um, It basically can help you stand out from the crowd in the sea Mm -hmm. of emails that our art director might receive. I think in particular, this works really well for markets like Bolt Fabric, where you submit an entire collection in a beautifully designed blurb book, for example, or something similar. Okay. Or another idea is perhaps you create a collection of oversized postcards with your artwork that you then package together in a beautiful presented die cut folder, you know, that's very unique and lovely to open. Right. And then those postcards can also be used individually as follow up every now and then just to keep your work top of mind for people. I've even heard of some people sending calendars at the beginning of the year so that if they end up getting used, if, if the art director likes them and actually puts it on their wall, your work is then in front of the art director all year long. I don't know why I haven't thought of that. I've designed calendars <laughs> to sell for the last three years. It never occurred to me to actually send one to art directors. OK, I know what I'm doing next year. <laughs> all right, Laura. So. We figured out what markets we want to reach out to. Yeah. Say we found people to submit to and laid out the steps we need to take. Let's talk about what we've each done to this point. Oh, so we're (laughs) going to basically embarrass ourselves now? Well, embarrassing ourselves is part of our brand, isn't it? Along with bourbon. (laughs) Well, well, bourbon is part of your brand, Nikki. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. Where's my bourbon? (laughs) But seriously, what steps have you taken towards getting your first greeting card license? I have put together a small portfolio of greeting card designs, and I have a list of probably about eight companies that I could submit to. But there's one in particular that I'm really, 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 really interested in, but I haven't actually submitted yet. So what's stopping you? Uh, Fear, procrastination, imposter syndrome, (laughs) all the things. But I really tend to be someone who overthinks everything and wants to have it all just right before I submit. So overthinking is your personal brand? Oh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you have a list of companies and I know that the one that you want most has Mm -hmm. their submission guidelines on their website, right? Yep. You have a portfolio. The next step is to write that email and send it. 
So I'm going to put you on the spot here and get you to commit to submitting to at least that one company by, give me a date. Okay, so this is scary, but Mm -hmm. I'll commit to sending an email by the end of May because this company has some particular subject matter challenges they put out there that I'd like to create some artwork for before I hit the send button. Okay. Okay. And Nikki... This goes both ways. (laughs) So you mentioned home decor as one of your preferred markets. So when will you be submitting your work and how many potential partners? Uh, Okay, so I'm going to tell on myself here because in a previous episode, I mentioned that my 100 day project was going to be 100 days of submissions. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think I did maybe four or five days of it before Mm -hmm. I got busy and scrapped it quietly without mentioning it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the problem is I didn't really have a good plan. So one of the main reasons I scrapped it was I didn't I didn't have a plan in place of what I was going to submit, who I was going to submit it to. I was just kind of like I had a list of random notes jotted down about all kinds of things. It was all over the place, but I wasn't following a plan. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as organized as you are. I believe we've already well established that winging it is my style, right? <laughs> what I need to do is actually do the research that I know you've already done and find mm-hmm. the companies to submit to because I haven't I haven't actually done that yet. Right. I have a portfolio I started putting together of my work with some mock-ups of how I think it could look on bedding, pillows, shower curtains, a few other things. Cool. But I have to actually do the research. What I mean, I've done kind of the same thing you did where you save the name of companies and Instagram. And I, mm-hmm. I've just when I come across somebody doing something cool, I just have a random list of companies. But I need to figure out which ones are really the right fit for me, figure out what their submission policies are and actually make a plan. So what I'm going to commit to is spending mm-hmm. the next couple of weeks researching companies to submit to. So that by the end of May, like Mm -hmm. you, I'm going to be ready to submit to say, I don't know, like five companies, maybe. How does that sound? You said that you'll be ready to submit. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I challenge you to reword that. Okay, let me reword that. (laughs) By the end of May, I will have submitted my work to at least five companies. Awesome. Okay, so we're doing this. We're, we're, we're committing. We're committing and we're going to come back on here and we're going to actually say, this is what I've done. Yep. We, by that time, we won't have any follow up because we will have just done it. But we'll, we'll, we'll announce that we've actually done what we've committed to. Absolutely. And we'll definitely keep people updated in our Facebook group as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. What are our key takeaways from this episode, Nikki? So the first takeaway is choose your market and narrow it down. You might want to do all the things, but choose one to three of them to focus on right now, right? Preferably one. Preferably one. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you can choose more than one if they're very complimentary. You know, like if you're struggling with choosing, you might have something like greeting cards and stationery, but maybe not home decor and children's books. Okay, right. So our next takeaway is to do your research. Mm -hmm. And we've listed a bunch of ways to do that, whether it's taking classes or Googling or going shopping. Going shopping is a great way to do some research. Ooh, remember going shopping? Oh, I loved going (laughs) shopping, especially like window shopping in your favorite places. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then the third thing is to actually submit your work. Well, shit, that's (laughs) the step we're missing. (laughs) 
I mean, take your 10 seconds of courage and draft an email. Check it a couple of times. Make sure everything's worded right. By the way, Grammarly is an awesome tool. If you don't know about Grammarly, totally download that. It's an extension for Chrome and it will fix your spelling mistakes and your grammar for you before you hit send. Just make sure that you put the right name in there because Grammarly's not going to tell you that you've got the wrong name. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> and then you just want to hit send and you put it out there in the world and then repeat the process. And you close your eyes and cross your fingers and wait. Yes, but actually you sit and just submit more instead of waiting for a response oh, from that one person. Right. Remember? Okay. Numbers okay. game. Okay, fine. Yes, fine. <laughs> Numbers game. Numbers game. All right. <laughs> okay, if you want to join us in this challenge and challenge yourself to submit something by the end of May, we would love for you to share it with us in our Stardust Society Facebook group or Instagram at Stardust Society. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please follow Stardust Society and leave us a five-star review. Speaking of reviews, they really mean so much to us and we read every single one. In fact, we want to periodically highlight some of our listeners by sharing their reviews. And if you give us your Instagram handle, we'll even give you a shout out on the podcast. The first review we wanted to share comes from Kate with Create More Design via Apple Podcasts. And she says, entertaining and insightful. Whether you're well-established or just getting started, this is a must-listen. Nikki and Laura do an incredible job leading the conversations about fear, procrastination, and a whole lot more. It gives you a nice push in the right direction to just get started. I highly recommend listening and subscribing. Thank you, Kate, so much for sharing that with us. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, we love it. <laughs> Visit StardustSociety.com slash keep submitting to learn more about the podcast and read today's show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.